Hello. Uh, before we get to this week's episode, we want to remind you, while the show will always be free, we have a Patreon where you can get even more fandom and help support the show. So please visit patreon.com forward slash the fandom show. If you happen to join us for a couple bucks a month, you get some episodes early. You can get stuff randomly in the mail from us. We have a nerds letter. Uh, you can actually catch this episode, the video of it, um, on our Patreon. And we also have our patron exclusive, The Fan Club, where we watch movies that one of us loves and the other has never seen. This month, we watched My Choice, which actually ties in to this guest, which uh, you could find out on there. Uh, we watched Labyrinth. Uh, and a special thanks to our newest patrons, Brian Edwards, Seabell, and Lisa Russell-Jones. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, once more, that's patreon.com forward slash the fandom show. But you're already doing the absolute most supportive thing, which is just listening. So thank you so much. We hope you like the episode. Hello, 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 and welcome to The Fandom Show, the podcast where we learn about fantastic fandoms by talking to our favorites about their favorites. I am Kai Green. And I am Stephanie Malik. And we have a very special episode for you today. It is that time again. Fan Expo has just finished here in Toronto. Um, we were there doing Nerd a- Christmas. Nerd Christmas, exactly. Um, we were there doing another live recording, um, which was very fun. And we had the wonderful, the talented guest, Gates McFadden, with us Woo! there, which was very, very fun. It was incredible. Uh, one thing of note that you might notice in this podcast, uh, you may know Gates McFadden from her work in a certain uh, show that takes place in space. Um, and we are not talking about that at all during this podcast. And there's a very specific reason for it. It does get touched on in the episode, but we just want to make sure to really clarify beforehand why you may be surprised that that is not part of it. And it is because there's currently a writer strike uh, as well as a performer strike in the United States. So guests are not actually allowed to promote any of the work uh, that could be considered promotion. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, that stuff is included in an actor's contract. So when an actor uh, signs on to a movie or a show, they are mandated to do those things, which means that, that that's considered their work. Uh, so if they were to talk about that, that is considered crossing the picket line, which is something that Gates didn't want to do. And of course, we did not want anyone to do because we are in full support of those actors and those writers that are currently striking because they deserve to get paid what they're worth. Go WGA, go SAG-AFTRA. So... Um, but that gave us the wonderful opportunity to talk to Gates about something completely different and something she's extremely passionate about, which is arts education. So um, we wanted to use our time wisely with her, so we didn't have a chance to talk about this. But Steph, I would love to know what your relationship to arts education is. Uh, so I have been, um, my family, uh, specifically my parents, are very arts-oriented, primarily in music um, and a bit of television. Um, so I grew up around the arts a lot. I grew up, uh, at, for Canadian listeners, uh, I actually grew up a lot at Much Music and YTV. Yep. Uh, my mom worked at both those places uh, at sort of their heyday in City TV. So I grew up a lot around the arts. My arts education was very... Um, it wasn't like an education program. I didn't go to art school. I didn't get taught that. I learned by being surrounded by musicians and artists, uh, which is a pretty freaking cool way to get some arts education, yeah. uh, which is then translated into I, where I've ended up at this point in time, which is working in the arts and at a, an improv company that teaches 
uh, improv to people and does arts education itself and being able to see the impact that the arts can directly have on people's lives, whether they come from an arts background or not. Yeah. Um, so arts education is hugely important to me. Yeah. And you've been a part of it as well. Like you took improv classes, which then sort of got you into the improv community and yeah. built that skill set that kind of gave you the career you have now, which Absolutely. is also pretty cool. Yeah. So by virtue of taking some classes in the arts, uh, I got to have a really amazing life. Uh, Kaya, how about you? What do you know about arts education? I mean, it's hard for me to like, it, it, it's hard to even begin because like I've been an arts kid from the very get go. Like my mother is, uh, I also grew up in an arts family. My dad's a writer. My mom's an actress. Um, I have a lot of, a lot of that swimming around me at all times when I'm a kid. Um, and I did I, a lot of drama, a lot of that stuff um, from a very, very, very young age. Uh, I was also on sets a lot because my mom was a working actor. So like I, as a child, I remember being on sets and still being very like wowed by them and loving it a lot. Um, but I will say that for me, arts education was the most useful in high school. Uh, I didn't have a great time growing up as a kid, uh, not because of my family, but because I got bullied a lot in school, um, as, you know, happens. Mm -hmm. But I ended up going to an arts high school, um, and that completely changed my life. Like, when I think about, you know, those forks in the road, that's one of them. My mom yeah. pulled me out of school for three days when I was in grade eight so I could prep my monologue. So I could go into this arts high school um, and like I became a different person overnight almost because I could just be who I was there. Uh, I could be weird and loud and nerdy and all of these things in a way that felt like safer to me. Um, so being in a like drama environment really, really, really helped me. But it also helped me develop a bunch of skills that I'm still using today. I met people that I'm still you know, that I love today, like my best friends in the entire world, they're basically my, basically my brothers, I met in that circumstance. So like, because of that, I ended up going to film school, I am now working in the arts, like it, it truly, arts education is very, very close to my heart, because not only do I think it's really important for the arts uh, in, in Canada, in the world, like you need to have a space for people to grow. I also think even if you don't end up going into the arts, it can be a really, really good welcoming space for people who don't fit everywhere. And that so often includes queer kids. It includes like people who have neurodivergence. Like that's, that's a, an environment that I think is sacred to me. Yeah. And honestly, if as a listener of this podcast, most of the media that you consume, it, all, all of the media is created by artists who have uh, grown through the art systems. Yep. Uh, so by virtue of listening to this, you're invested in arts education, baby. Yeah, so this was an episode that was really close to our hearts, and I kind of wanted to get into that because we don't get in it, into it too much in the interview, but this like really meant a lot to both of us, yeah. I think, as people who work and have lived in such an artistic world yeah. um, and really believe that it has its own value as much as any other pursuit. Um, but, uh, that's just how we feel about it. I hope you enjoy listening to how Gates McFadden feels about it. Um, because she has had an incredible career as a choreographer, as a teacher, um, as a director, as all sorts of things outside of what we know her for. Yeah. As a developer of new talent yep. uh, and of new works. So without further ado, please enjoy our interview with Gates McFadden live at Fan Expo. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Fandom Show live at Fan Expo. Uh, 
my name is Stephanie Malik, and I am Kaya Green. Of course, today's guest needs no introduction, but uh, let's do one anyway. Um, <laughs> she's an actress, a choreographer, a director, and a teacher, and you know her from a spectacular science fiction show that we will not be discussing today, uh, because we are standing firmly in solidarity with the writers and actors on strike at the moment. Absolutely. So, instead, what we will be talking about today is her passionate study and incredible career in the field of arts education. Fan Expo, please give a huge welcome to the one and only Gates McFadden. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. It's so great to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. So, there's a lot to talk about about the arts right now. It is. We are in quite a state, but I'm just going to start off the top. What's your origin story and how did you start your life as an artist uh, that then transitioned into teaching and arts education? Oh gosh, well how much time do we have? <laughs> 30 all, minutes! <laughs> there's a woman who I'm looking at right now uh, who brought me pictures yesterday, the day before yesterday, of me playing, I don't know, the spring little queen when I was this, uh, a child, a very, like about seven. She's, wow. she's telling me how old. I, I, I don't know. My fans know much more about me than I do, actually. I'm discovering. You have private historians. I, I seem to. It's, it's amazing. And then, and then I got, yesterday, it, she gave me another one that I said, well, I don't even see me in that. And she said, this is grade school. She said, yeah, but look, it says choreography by Cheryl G. McFadden. Oh, my. <laughs> Are you kidding? So I, I actually started my career in choreography in elementary school, but who knew? I didn't know. You, you didn't wow. know. You just had the bug. Something in you was... No, I think actually, in retrospect, um, I've said this on my podcast, by the way. I've got to plug it. Gates Please. McFadden investigates. Get it? Who do you think you are? Um, but at any rate, I, I was born with a, a massive... Uh, curvature of the spine. Uh, who oh. knew, right? Oh. But I think my mother knew. I think the doctor told her because that may have been part of the reason that when I was like two and a half, I was right at that ballet bar and learning dance and learning acrobatics and doing all this stuff, which is a ridiculously young age, but whatever. Both my parents loved actors and performers. They were, uh, they were wannabes, I think, you know. My father was extremely handsome, and um, you know I think he always saw himself as being like he could he could be a star, and he could have. Actually. He had the potential. Yeah, he did actually. He was a much better storyteller than I am. <laughs> um, very very funny, uh, and dashing. Very Gary Cooper kind of you know, but funny <laughs> Gary Cooper. Um, so I I don't know. I just always was pushed to do that, whereas I was m much more drawn to building and design and architecture and art and things like that. You know, I'm, I'd build the houses for the dolls, but I'd never want to play with the dolls in the houses. I'd like, we're on to a new house, you know. Um, so who knows? But that's how that all happened, and it was a very lucky break. My great teacher, Jacques Lecoq from Paris, who I studied with after university, he, uh, yeah. yeah. If, you're, if you're into theater, uh, you need yeah. to know about Jacques An enormous Lecoq. name, yeah. 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 And nobody really knew about him. I, I, I took his first American workshop at Harvard University, and um, I got in because I had done a lot of movements things. And, um, and also, I was an acting major. So at any rate, it, was, it changed my whole view of the arts, because it was all about creating it yourself. It was based on observation. So we would go to like waiting rooms in a train station and have to spend hours and hours observing people. 
their different rhythms, how they waited, try to construct stories, do things like that, and, and uh, go to an emergency room. Um, and so that's how we learned how to create pieces. It's very much like learning improvisation. It's yeah. a different kind of improvisation than, yeah. let's say, Second City. But yeah. in certain ways, it's, it's very like it. You know, you have to be present, and you have to really observe life around you. So anyway, he, he was amazing. And I studied with him. He gave me a scholarship to go. And when I came back, we came back like after, uh, it was about two and a half years, came back and did this longer workshop at Harvard that a ton of university theater professors took. So there were a lot of like professors in the class. And I was his assistant. And the, every school wanted him to teach at their university. They were like, they want, were offering faculty positions. And he's like, uh, no, <laughs> just be français. Uh, you know, he, he was like, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, cowboy hats are great, but, um, so, but he did visit NASA. He did a lot of, you know, things that wow. were, yeah. Um, and he did love his cowboy hat, I must say. He did go to, go to Texas. But anyway, he's the one who said, no, I'm not going to teach, but she should. Why don't you hire her? And I was like 22. Wow. And because it, it was amazing. So I got, um. I got offers for teaching jobs that no way would that have happened without his direct saying, what about her? And I was like, oh, okay, well, it's better than waitressing because I did that for years. Yeah. So, you know, and that's how it happened. Uh, and when I was teaching, I was not much older. There were some students older than me, and it was scary. Yeah. I was sort of a parrot just regurgitating what he had taught me. It took me years to develop, con not years, a few years, to develop the, <laughs> the, the confidence to start to use my own ideas and to trust myself. But I loved teaching, actually, it, I, because you learn. I mean, it sounds like a broken record because I say this about the fans who come to the table at a convention. If you are present, you can always learn. And you learn so much from your students, good, bad, or mediocre. You yeah. learn a lot, and you learn a lot about yourself you know, where you block. And, and so it's a, it's a very fulfilling profession if you go into it, you know, wholeheartedly. But it's also, you burn out. Absolutely. And as we all know, I don't know about Canada, but <laughs> teachers are paid so below what they deserve. No, Unless, that's true here too. Right. That's the same here. <laughs> right? Unless you've published all these books, which is what everyone, all of the universities, they want you to publish, do all these things so that it's fame for them. But not necessarily helpful to the students, you know, whereas if you're just a good teacher, you, you're, you don't get as high of a salary. And, uh, it, and also at, the, at some of the best theater schools in the United States, especially like Juilliard, NYU, I taught at NYU Tisch School of the Arts, great graduate school program, terrific. But they can get anyone they want to teach there because everyone, we all lived in New York. Yeah. So they'll, you, you get a very low salary because you, you know? Right. So it's, it's, this is why I wanted to talk about arts and education because yeah. it's disappearing, folks. Yeah, of course. And, and, you know, for those of you who haven't taught before, and I've done just a tiny bit of it uh, in the improv world, it's its own skill teaching. It's like, you, first you have to master the skill you're teaching, and then you have to master teaching. It's, it's right. very much its own skill, just like learning is its own skill. But do you have any sort of uh, philosophies, like what's your approach as a teacher when it comes to teaching things like, you know, discipline and, and of course, nurturing talent? Oh, I just hit people. 
You heard it here first. <laughs> no. I mean, you know what it is? You, you, you have to get rid of your own fear, um, if that makes any sense. Because I know when I started teaching, I was so afraid of being wrong about something. So you have to deal with, okay, I might be wrong. So I say to my students, look, this has to be a contract. I'm not going to abuse you. And you have to choose to do this improv or choose to do it. You can stop at any time. Um, I'm going to say things, especially like in clown work. I mean, one of the whole fun things is for the position of the teacher to, to pretend to be abusive. But it's all in, it's all about techniques. And you have to surrender. You have to go, I'm willing to participate in this. And then it's a contract between us. And they have to trust me and I have to trust them. And that's when it really works. And it does work. It works beautifully. Um, I always say, I, I am, like, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, there's a, an exercise um, that I, I came up with. I'm sure someone else does it, but I came up with it, I thought, where uh, <laughs> I'm, I, to, let's say, a first class of students, I could say it to people here, I'd say, okay, so pretend we're back in grade school and I'm taking a picture, not grade school, I'm, you're at a university, and I'm going to take a picture of you that we're gonna to send to your family, your parents, okay? And then I wanna take a second picture and it's how you see yourself in the world. Um, actually, I reversed it. I usually would say how you want to be seen in the world. Like, do you wanna be a rock star on the cover of Rolling Stone? What, do you, what is your fantasy? And I would say, this is a manipulation. I'm not pretending it's anything else. You're gonna learn as a class, there's no right or wrong in this exercise. Just, just participate fully. And all of us will learn. And I'm gonna pretend I have a camera and you cannot stop whatever you're doing. You can't sit down until I say click. All right, so that's a manipulation. And so by doing this, we'll do What's interesting and how I learn and how we all learn about this person that is new in class is they're struggling to find, like, who do I want to be? Do I want, oh, that feels weird. Who do I want to, you know, and, oh, no. I, Where do I put my hands? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to be gorgeous, but that, that feels so fake. People are going to, you know, and you see, what's amazing is we see their thoughts and we see the nervousness. And then once in a while, someone stands up and does something and they own it in a second. And you're like, okay, they have confidence. They know what they want. So we're all learning. It's not like one's better or worse than the other. And then I finally say click. And a lot of times people have just suddenly given up and they're sort of sitting there in despair and I go click. And it is amazing. <laughs> it's amazing because they look so beautiful because they've stopped all the pretense and they're just themselves. And we all see it when you just are present and you're not pushing anything. People are beautiful. I mean, truly, truly moving and beautiful and they are themselves and everybody's unique. And then, you know, when you ask them to do the smile one, it's adorable usually. And then I can play and manipulate with that because you know, you have a smile, a smile's beautiful, but it's momentary. If you hold the smile, it becomes grotesque. And so, <laughs> and so I, I manipulate that. And I don't do it to embarrass anyone or anything, but we all learn from that experience. And it's really cool. And so that to me is like a nice, it's the kind of exercise I like to start to get to know a class because already I know who has more defensive 
maneuvers than other people, who is just there, who has enormous confidence. And, and so it's, it, it's exciting. And I go, okay, this is cool. This is the group. Yeah, that sounds very collaborative. It, it sounds is. like it's very, very much you working with other people instead of you just imparting things on other people. Yeah, yeah. So you've worked with uh, Harvard, uh, Tisch School of Art, uh, the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. You've helped open theaters and run theaters uh, and helped premiere new works by uh, playwrights. Uh, what do you think makes the most nurturing environment for new artists? Trust. I would say trust. I mean, if you're talking about the artists themselves, but but feeling that you're not that, that you're actually part of a company in America it's very sad that, that this is happening now all over the world companies are having a very difficult time sustaining um, their company yeah. it costs so much now to have the building to have the theater to make a living and that's one of the really tragic things we have passed something in LA, equity passed it, and it's made it prohibitively expensive to do uh, a simple simple show is so expensive. What used to be able to be done for $20,000 now takes $75,000. Wow. And when you're charging, you know, it, this, is, this is new theater, you're trying to push the envelope. It's not just doing standards that already have had great success, you're not redoing Hamlet. Um, Hamilton, you're not, you're doing new work, and new work is, is challenging. Uh, all we did in this theater was new work, and it was extraordinary. You, you have to have time to develop something and nurture it, and you can't do that if you don't have funding. Yep. You can if you are wealthy yourself, and you can put up the whole group and, you know, pay for rehearsals, but it's very hard when everybody has three other jobs that they pay for their rent and money, and then they're doing theater. Because theater people are incredible. I, they're so dedicated. They work so hard. And um, ideas come from the arts, new ideas. Our culture is, is furthered. I mean, we, we grow if we nurture the arts. And in theater, that, like for example, I don't think people teach theater history. It used to be required of every theater student uh, when I was going to school. And I learned so much about architecture, history of art, politics, you know, all of the international, what was going on. Yeah. You learn so much when you study theater history because it reflects what's going on in society and in politics and all of that. And that's what people don't get. You, you have this perspective when you're watching a play, it's not you, so you actually take it in more. If it's your own problem, if you're the soldier in the, the battlefield, it's a different perspective, it's life and death, but we can see our mistakes more clearly or we can see the wonderful things in life when we are just slightly, slightly removed. Not with our heads in the program. Yeah. We want to really be, as a lot of theaters are saying, lean in, be there, um, I think. Put the phone away. Yeah, be present. Away. Yeah. yeah. It, it really sounds like w with so little funding, there's just not a lot of room for failure. And that That's seems it. like it's a really key part of developing artists. I'm so glad you said that because, yes, failure is where genius starts. I mean, it really, it really does. If you're not willing to risk in your life failure, I'm really sad for you because... I have to pick yourself up and go, well, that didn't work. Okay, I'm gonna try something else. You know, if you're so defended that you don't allow yourself 
to fail, you're really missing out on a huge part of possibilities in your life. You're just limiting yourself. And it's, it's not easy. I'm not no. saying it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's absolutely what I believe life is about. Yeah. Is It's like, you know, you try something and you go, well, that didn't work. Okay, yeah. <laughs> let's yeah. try something else in rehearsal. And that's what I mean about trust. Like, you can say to someone, just try this for me. That's why in improv they say, say yes, don't say no. If someone comes up with an idea, say yes. It's getting through your fear yeah. and your judgment. Yeah, and failure is those moments where you learn the most about yourself. Because when you're at your exactly. lowest, you're like, okay, well, what didn't work? What can I do next time? How right. can I grow? How, how can do you I rebuild? How yeah. do you rebuild yourself? And that's yeah. when you end up with your greatest successes is when you let yourself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look silly, look ridiculous on stage. Uh, yeah, okay. So one, one thing I'm interested in is art is so personal and so subjective how do you sort of bring out somebody's personal voice when it comes to creating an artist? I think you help them with their self-judgment. Right. I think if you go, because um, it really is self-judgment, self-critique that, that is so debilitating. And believe me, I have it, we all have it. It's <laughs> a constant struggle. Um, but you, you want somebody you just have to be able, that's why the, the clown thing, um, and I, when, I, when Austin Mount and I, Anson Mount, Austin Mount, <laughs> uh, yeah, Austin Mount, um, when Anson and I talked about that, because he's, he's done clown, he had some friends of mine actually who were his teachers, and then he's taught it, and it's, it's amazing because it's like you put your feet in the fire. You put your feet in the fire and you're like, I can't stand it, I'm failing, this is terrible. And then, and then all of a sudden, out of that, you realize you're much better than you thought you were. <laughs> you're actually okay. And people suddenly are smiling and, you know, in, in something, be it, you just, it, it's like, it could be an editor, you could be anything. You just tweak something a little bit more and all of a sudden it's like enlightenment. Oh my God, that's brilliant. And it's learning how to know that that's true. That is true. From my life, you know, and I bet from your life, it's certainly true of anyone who does uh, comedy, yeah. uh, right? <laughs> you just tweak that moment a little bit more and it just suddenly it's funny, you know, or else it really sucks and get rid of it, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true too. You only suck for a few minutes and then you're like, oh, okay, okay, shake it off. Um, so you've had so many students throughout your career. Are there any student stories that have really stayed with you over the years? Oh gosh, um, there's so many, so many. You know what's interesting is I remember my students more by their improvs and their scenes, the work that they did at a moment than I do actually who they are in real life because I was transported. So I'll remember people who got through some major obstacle or something and I'll remember that moment and I really will think about it. There's so many. I mean, I have so many comedy moments, I'm sure you do as improvisers, that just are so hilarious, you just can't, you know, can't believe how funny they are. There's um, no way to like repeat them to people, it's just such a singular experience. It, well, yeah, but I mean, I remember, and I can just start laughing, and, and you know, I, and when I see them, we'll remember, that's what we'll talk about, is that improv, or that moment when they did that thing in the scene, and yes, you picked up that letter, and whatever it is. Yeah. And that's art, you know, that's like, it's something that you really, came out of a lot of work, diligence, and it's a remarkable moment. 
Um, I've had a lot of amazing students. Um, you know, Cameron Mannheim, uh, Marsha Jean Kurtz was in one class. Uh, um, I, Rain Wilson came to watch my clan improvs, and then he he did uh, he did a series sort of based on the the, the way the classes were. Um, who else? Uh, Steve Culp. I've had I've had some tremendous people who have just been amazing, actually. Like yeah. like someone like Cameron, who's a big woman and very beautiful, but very big woman and um, was constantly being told to lose weight by the head of the theater department. And I, yeah, I was like crazy, because she was just wonderful who she was, and she was just a beautiful woman. And uh, she, she could do an ingenue part and break your heart. I mean, it's like every, we all have ingenues inside us. We all have leading ladies. We all have the villainous inside. You know, it's... it's fun to explore all that that's what there is uh, there's techniques and um, actors have to stay emotionally open and present so they have access to their emotions and there's all sorts of ways of doing that but it's uh, it's really cool you know yeah it's also like speaks to the fact that you know if all performers can reach those depths can reach those characters and it's a, it's a shame that theater companies and casting folks uh, just see the outside because there's so many beautiful performances and beautiful things Absolutely. that they miss out on. It's so, so true, you know, because um, if you feel beautiful, you really are beautiful. Yeah. And it, it's, it's absolutely true. Um, but people are all about money. And that's why we're on strike. We're talking about people who are running the studios and they, there's, the corporations are really, really destroying the arts, and um, small theaters are struggling. And you need people need to support that. You need to support that like you want to support fandom in any way. You have to realize it's a significant part of um, your culture, and and your feedback at these plays makes a difference and that can go on and that can end up on Broadway, you know, or whatever and make money, but maybe it doesn't. Maybe it just changes certain people's lives and it stays with them, whatever the themes are. Yeah. Um, it, it's all part of the same ecosystem, right? It, it really is. Without the people who are sort of at the bottom struggling to find their voice and make their work, you don't get the Hamiltons. You don't get these big things that we that we enjoy as a, as a mass culture. Yeah. And, you know, I went to see a comedy, like, budding comedians last week in LA because I had a friend who was going up and uh, it, it, and it was diversity night you know and it was really interesting because people who had worked at being comfortable because it's terrifying to do stand-up comedy <laughs> <Yes>. terrifying <laughs> and you really have to I think accept who you are and be present or it doesn't work and that's exactly what it is for playing a part. If you're playing Hedda Gobbler, you have to accept that that moment when you're on stage, you know, you are into that character. And it's fun. It's like adrenaline. But it's not, you don't just automatically go there. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? And you have to stay present. And I think in life, that's what all of us need to do. If we would, and I block out all the time, folks. So I'm always going, don't do it. Just stay present. You know, don't assume you know what that person's going to say. Stop. I think that kind of open channel, it would be a lot easier for all of us. And I'm definitely including myself in that. But it's hard because we get scared. What do they want from me? You know, 
and all of that. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. It, uh, Arts is uh, very much a life philosophy as well, I think, which uh, sort of sort of brings me to the idea of like with all of these, def you know, pe people getting defunded in the arts and arts education. What would you say to people who say that it's it's not critical, that it's not important, that uh, you know people people don't need this education if they don't plan to go into the arts as a career? I think all you have to do is look at history. We have learned about every major civilization through their art, yep. through their buildings, you know. Their storytelling. Their, right, their storytelling. And ev well, every major culture has had storytelling. Uh, they've had some sort of performance thing. It's how we digest life and how we grow life. Yes. Um, so it, it also is a major thing for community. And we are so fractured in today's world I feel it enormously, um, mind, right? And I think we need to kind of lose ourselves in an art experience. That's why people like to binge watch or something because they're just, they've had so much, oh my God, I just need to watch something. Yeah. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons people like Star Trek. It's positive, right? And they can, they can get lost in it. So I think that's, that it's clear that we, we need it. There's a huge benefit from it. And if you look at every major society, when you start to shut down and become very fascist about things, and right now we have so much corporate greed, it's really terrifying to me. Um, and, and it's with AI, you know, all of the start, all of us have our, we've been scanned, they have my voice, they have my body, they can put, out, put me out and do a commercial with me. I mean, whatever, right? And that's why my, there's one card in the pack of cards that first came out for Next Generation that I won't sign. And it's the one that says Gates McFadden. And then it has a picture of my character. And then on the back it has a bio about me that I did not get to approve of. Ooh. And it's not a bio I would have written. It started out with, I was on a soap opera for like a week or something. It starts out <laughs> I was a soap opera actress and I'm like, Hang on, I Who had like a 20-year uh, teaching at universities, you know, none of that gets mentioned. So it, it was the kind of thing, my mini protest was is that I wouldn't sign it, except that if it was for a charity event, then I would sign it so it could make a lot of money, and i do that. Um, and I think that, I mean, it's pathetic <laughs> that that's, that's my only rebellion I could actually get away with, but, <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's that sort of thing. They, the, that feeling of wait a minute, somebody has owned someone owns me. They can do anything they want with my voice. They can they can construct something. It's 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 not okay if I don't give my permission. It's not okay. Just like all art, it should be a collaboration. Yeah, and, and it should be are. human. Yeah. It should be made by humans. Um, this question is actually uh, from a friend of our podcast, as uh, also in the audience, Shannon LaHaye. Uh, it's just right there. Uh, so given hey, how Shannon. challenging a career in the arts can be, is there any life mantra or central ideal that you hope your students leave with or something you hope stays with them? Be yourself. Be yourself. That's incredible. Oh my well, goodness. be the best of yourself. Let's do that. <laughs> Hang on, be the best of yourself. Because when I'm just my bad self, it's not good enough. <laughs> be yourself, but good, good, in but a good way. The best version of yourself, but also fail, but also be good. Um, <laughs> That's it, though. That is it. It is. Yeah. It's a tightrope. There, there's not some one path, man. It's like every step is a path, and you have to just like go. Okay, you know. Uh, 
when my son was little, he, he said, I've got a great idea for an ad. He was like about three. Automatic shoes. One foot goes and the other one follows. One. <laughs> That's not bad, you know. A little genius you're raising over there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a... It, but I think we also have to realize if we can be in solidarity, we all have the same struggles. We all do, you know? I can present an image like I don't have the same struggles, but I have the same struggles. And um, we all can be so self-critical. And if we can, the minute I get outside myself, it's so much better. Everything is so much better. The minute I'm, you know, look out and I watch some, you know, lizard doing something on the on the rock there, I go, okay, well, you know, life is going on and really nobody cares about me anyway, so let's just get over <laughs> yourself. It's freeing. It's, it's freeing when you think of it that so way. Free. Yeah. Yeah. So embrace the mess. Yeah. Yeah. Now I love we're it. we're we're ending coming near the end of our time with you, but is there any last uh, words you want to share with everyone about the importance of arts and that you hope people can walk away with knowing about the arts and the state of the industry right now? Um, well, even being at this fan con, there's so many artists, there's so many people, fans who come up and have drawn something or made something, and it's extraordinary the crafts that go on for these and the costumes and the cosplay. I think you have to realize that it's now at a time in our lives, I believe, that we need to actually support the arts, other people's art as well as our own, and we need to be you know, cognizant of how risky it is right now that we could lose music in our schools, uh, certainly in the United States. We're losing music in elementary schools. I mean, good Lord, that helps with math ability. Music is its own language. It's extraordinary. Can you imagine not giving kids the opportunity to pick up an instrument and to learn how to read music? Uh, I, I think, certainly in the United States, things are getting pretty dire to me. I think um, we need to sort of put your money where your mouth is and uh, also get out and support strikes and support workers. Uh, we. The world has gone so against workers. Uh, I mean, the United States wouldn't even function if we didn't have immigrants working. Our kitchens, our Japanese, our Italian kitchens, our every kind of you know ethnic food, it's always there's some Latinos in there working very, very hard. I think we have to start to appreciate, um, appreciate the arts, appreciate each other, and appreciate how all of us um, probably have some sort of artistic beautiful something inside us. You know, we just have to dig deep and find it. And maybe it's just being an observer. Maybe it's just noticing how beautiful that color is in the sky. I mean, again, it gets it out of yourself. Incredible. Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Case, thank you so much for lending us your time. You're um, welcome. Where can That's people fun. find you? Where, what, anything you want to plug? Um, my address is no. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, check out my podcast. I would love it. We're just on the point where it, it will either be renewed or not. Um, I also, I'm, I, I don't know, I'm not that much as I used to be on social media because I have an Instagram, but I don't do it a lot because I have a lot of distrust, growing distrust with all of these. So I, I do it because I actually love some of the people who I chat with on the, on the social media, but it, it's like, so much of it for actors is about self-promotion, which starts to make me go, ah, 
so, but again, I do it, you know. I, I think I like to just sort of have fun encounters with people, and I, I, I do a filter so I don't see all of the hate stuff so much, but um, Good. I don't know. You can find me out in the garden with a pickaxe. <laughs> okay. The best possible place to be. Yeah, what can I tell you? Amazing. Uh, as for us, we've been the fandom show. Uh, we're part of the From Superhero Podcast Network, uh, but you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts, and if you're interested, you can follow us for more content at, at Fandom Show Pod. Until next time, love the things you love, love the arts, and tell everyone about them. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you guys are great. The Fandom Show is produced by Andrew Ivamy as part of the From Superheroes Network. For more great podcasts like this, as well as webcomics, articles, and so much more, visit FromSuperheroes.com.